Well, good morning. Again. It's a powerful message in our responsive reading this morning. One that's so timely. And as this, uh, this week went by, um, and I was preparing for this Sunday, the, the last two verses of that response in Psalm 29. The Lord sits enthroned over the floodwaters. The Lord sits enthroned king forever. Let the Lord give strength to his people. Let the Lord bless his people with peace. Now as we talk about the baptism of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is this sense of peace if we will just accept it. And everything that that event had to say to the people there around the Jordan as Jesus was baptized and fast forward through the ages to present day. The important thing has not changed. In 2,000 plus years, the important thing about that has not changed in that in Jesus, in the Son of God, God the Father is well pleased. This is the first Sunday after Epiphany. It's the Sunday that we commemorate the baptism of the Lord. And it's one of four very distinct events that Christians around the world celebrate as part of the season of Epiphany. Um, you might recall the four main events of the season of Epiphany uh, are, are the Nativity, right? Christmas, the revelation of Christ to Israel, to the Jews. The, the second one is the visitation of the Magi, which we talked about was the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles, the rest of the world, the non-Jewish world. And then this Sunday, we're talking about the baptism of the Lord. That's the third main event of the Epiphany season. And then the fourth main event of Epiphany is Jesus's first miracle at the wedding at Cana, where he turned the water into wine. So this morning we heard the account of Jesus' baptism as Bobby read the Gospel of Mark. And this morning I, I don't want to focus on that Gospel passage. I want to focus on the account from the Gospel of Luke. Not because it's any better, just because it's from a different perspective. Uh, some of the details are added in Luke that are, are not present in Mark's account. So the details are where I'd like to focus this morning. And in particular interest in Luke's account is this imagery of Jesus coming to baptize by fire. That's not mentioned in Mark's account. It's, a, it's an, also an imagery in, in Luke's account of a harvester 
who's separating the wheat, the, the grain from the husks or the chaff. Let me read the, the passage about Jesus' baptism from Luke. If you have your Bible, I'm in Luke chapter 3, um, starting at verse 15. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and said to them all, as for me, I baptize with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So I got to thinking about that winnowing fork. It's, it's an agricultural tool, um, much like a rake, I guess. Fewer uh, prongs than a rake, um, longer prongs than a rake, but it was developed in ancient times to help separate the grain, the good grain, from the husks and the chaff and the straw, those things that were not edible. And so first the harvest would go to this place called a threshing floor where it could be beaten to loosen the grain from the husk. And then the winnowing fork would be used to toss the wheat into the air where the lighter husks and chaff would blow away in the wind and be separated from the grain which was heavier which would fall to the threshing floor. And then it would be swept into bins and gathered and taken and put in the barn. And the straw and the husks and the chaff, those undesirable parts of the harvest could be cast into the fire and burned. Matter of fact, they would bundle up the straw and the husks and they would use them for fuel. So this threshing and winnowing process is just a simple illustration that, that Luke uses um, of Jesus's mission and ministry, which began with his baptism, to gather the wheat, those who accept his message, into the Father's house. Those who reject him and his message are the chaff, the undesirable parts of the harvest, and they will be cast into the fire to burn for all eternity. Very simple message. If you happen to be uh, chaff this morning, it's not a good message for you. But if you happen to be the grain, if you happen to be the good parts of the harvest, the believers in Jesus Christ, it's a message that you are being taken into the Father's house. And so Jesus is baptized. Luke's Gospel uh, tells us as we move on to verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. So I have to think about the picture of all these newly baptized people that John had just baptized. And then after all of them are baptized, Jesus is baptized. And the Holy Spirit descends 
visibly, tangibly, publicly. And then the voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. And I wonder, is, is there a man anywhere on the planet? And yes, I'm speaking specifically to men now. Is there a man anywhere on the planet that wouldn't want to hear those words from his father? Not to exclude the women. Is there a woman anywhere on the planet who wouldn't want to hear those words from her father? See, when I was young, nothing could make me more energized, more enthusiastic, more, feel more positive about myself than affirmation and praise from my dad. It, it, if my dad were for me, it was enough to make me push through the tough situations, to dig down deep within myself, to find inner strength, whether it was sports or uh, music or even my Marine Corps training, I would draw on that affirmation and encouragement from my dad even when he wasn't physically present. It leaves a lasting impression on you when your father is pleased with you. his voice would play in my head. Do you recall the voice of your dad? Or let's not leave moms out. Do you, do you recall the affirmation of a parent in your young life? Do you recall the affirmation of a father or mother figure in your young life. That voice in your head sometimes was enough to push you up off of the ground to get you to dust yourself off and to get back into the struggle. You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Is there anyone anywhere on planet Earth that doesn't long to hear his father say those words? More than that, is there a human being on this planet that wouldn't want to hear a proclamation like that coming down from heaven from God himself? We have this tendency in the church, I think, to focus on this day, the baptism of our Lord as this event of great significance in the life and ministry of Jesus, the descending of the Holy Spirit upon him, the proclamation from heaven, this miraculous public display of the might 
of God and the divinity of Jesus. And there's no question that his baptism is every bit of that. But we also need to understand that although Jesus was fully God, fully divine, he was also fully human. It's an important point. So think back on my own experience, how important my dad's affirmation was to me when things got tough. I can't help but think that God's words to Jesus as he emerged from the water at his baptism, you are my beloved son. And you I am well pleased. Those words must have been the words that sustained Jesus throughout the course of his ministry on earth. In fact, the very next thing that we see Jesus dealing with in Luke's gospel account in Luke 4 is the temptation that Satan tried to manipulate the Son of God to do his bidding. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, I have been pulled apart this week. The only thing that has kept my week on track is the knowledge that God is in control and that so long as I stay in his will, so long as I keep my eyes on Christ, so long as I focus on the Christ view and not the world view, so long as I do that, those words ring true. You're my child and you I am well pleased. Make no mistake. You know, as, as I posted something that was designed to go out to public as well as, as the church, as I posted something yesterday that was what I believe to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to reach people out there, and then found out that the platform that I posted it to deleted it, not because it was political, but because it was Christian, I have to tell you that I was torn. My, my response has been in the past to be angry first when things happen like that. But this week I chose not to be angry. This week I chose to be kind. I chose to be kind because I want to elevate my thinking out of the worldview and into the Christ view. I do not want the worldview to dictate how I feel, how I think, how I act in any circumstance. I don't want to give the worldview that power over my life, my existence, certainly not my faith in God. Incidentally, that's the only thing that is faithful. 
the worldview will let you down every time. Amen. Every time. Jesus' very next event. After his baptism was to spend some time in the wilderness. Luke says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. I wonder at that moment, as he made that response to Satan, I wonder did his father's words echo in his head at that moment after he said those words, after he rebuked the temptation of the devil, did the words, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Did they run through his head? Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Satan knows scripture, doesn't he? Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. God's words had to have echoed in Jesus' head. As he stood his ground in the face of the devil, the devil sees that Jesus' resolve is unshakable, and when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Mark my words, this is the opportune time for you and for me as Christians and for this nation. Jesus stands there defiantly and alone once again in the wilderness, and he can hear God say to him, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Standing your ground in the face of evil.
pleases God. So I've been listening to people long enough to know that many of us go through our entire lives seeking praise from a parent. And in some cases, I'm not naive, in some cases that approval, that parental affirmation never comes. Parental affirmation for those that, that are able to draw on that. It's, it's a blessing. But make no mistake, it is the approval of the worldview. It's not the be-all and end-all. When the pain of that experience of, of rejection lingers, I have found that the affirmation and approval of our Father in heaven, which is available to everyone who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, that is what really sustains us and gets us to the other side of countless struggles, of countless storms, through days and days and miles and miles of wilderness. And so while this baptism of our Lord that we talk about this morning is indeed a, an important event, a landmark event in history, there's no question. It is every bit this miraculous descending of the Holy Spirit of God upon Jesus. It is indeed a glorious announcement of the divinity of Christ but it is in the simple words of encouragement from a father to his son, from the father to the son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is where we find peace and comfort and affirmation. If we're looking to the world to provide us a savior, will be disappointed. The world will not provide a savior for you, for this country, for us as individuals. It doesn't exist. The only, the one true savior has already come. spending so much time and energy paying attention to the, what the world tells us. If the one true source of our freedom and our liberty has already come and paid the price for that. Lean on him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on the understanding of other fallible humans. Rather, lean on Christ, him crucified and resurrected. This is where the redeeming and the rebirth and the redemption come from. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.